Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Folks, we've officially hit that time of year. There were hidden duels last weekend, probably dual matches played by the time all of you listeners are hearing this podcast. Case in point, the 2022 college tennis season has arrived. That said, we always say here on these college tennis podcasts, the kickoff weekend, truly the symbolic start of the college tennis season. That said, we feel like we still have a bit of time to finish maybe the most important task of the college tennis offseason, our college contender series here at Crack Rackets, counting down our top 10 preseason teams heading into the 2022 college tennis dual match season. Crazy to think we've counted all the way from our number 10 team to our number two spot here tonight. Of course, if you've missed any of the content, you can catch up on it all either on our website, crackrackets.com. You can hear from John Parsons, Matt Stokowiak, Chris Halioris, and myself here on the Great Shot podcast feed. You can hear from as many as 50-plus Power 5 coaches on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. We think we've done about as good of a job as we could of setting the scene for this 2022 college tennis season, a season that promises to be filled with drama, spectacular play, but more than anything else, exciting tennis for us to follow. Of course, before we get to that, we still have to finish this series. And joining me on tonight's show to preview our number two women's team heading into the 2022 season, defending champions, Texas Longhorns, is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket Show. A man you may know as the founder of the No Ad No Problem blog, proudly over 650 followers now on Twitter. Of course, a man you probably know best. And hearing clearer than ever with his brand new microphone is my friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. I will have an intro for you on your next podcast. That is my promise to you. That'll be my College Contenders season finale gift is an intro worthy of your contributions to our show. You like how I spin it there as if I haven't yeah. just been extraordinarily <laughs> lazy throughout the course of this series. But my friend, welcome back. How are you doing? Good. Yeah. I mean, season finale. I'm like, oh, this just sounds exciting. <laughs> uh, a gift. Um, perfect culmination. Like you've been planning it like that all along. Um <laughs> I'm doing well. I can't wait for Westhoff to give me some notes on the sound quality. I'm hoping it's coming in nice and clear. You mentioned to a few people that you've kind of jumped on a few podcasts and they're like, that's a great Christmas gift. (laughs) We will get you a mic. Um, So doing well, feeling very caught up on all the coaches series. Um, Loving some of the new questions you're you're spinning in there. Um, It's going well. I'm excited. I mean, this weekend we're we're here right i know the ita kickoff is symbolic start to the season but um feels like it gets earlier and earlier in the season and just two weeks into january the action is going to be fiery 
I made that up as I went along as well. Does that make sense? Kickoff weekend, symbolic start. I feel like that's accurate. Symbolic start. Yeah. But there are some e- some eager beavers out there uh, with some with some incredible matches this coming week. So yeah, I mean, uh, Texas played Texas played Georgia already in a hidden duel, but we got to see those two lineups line up and no Spaziri, but Texas having success in doubles and, you know, their freshman Pierre Bailey already experiencing success. There are some notable takeaways across the country that action continues here this weekend. I'm going to be on the call for January 22nd, hopefully on the call, knock on wood, uh, for January 22nd, Ohio State at Illinois showdown as well. You're absolutely right. There's action before the kickoff. We'll start working it into these episodes and, of course, have a special show previewing kickoff weekend for both the men and the women. That said, we've got a couple of tangents to get to here before we start today's show. Number one amongst them, and this news, well, I guess first we'll get to this piece because it was funny, the news broke as I was podcasting and you texted me this news. Well, I think we'll start with it and then I'll get to my later questions because this is the news right now. Alexa Noel, who... If not the number one player in the country this season, certainly in the running for it in women's college tennis, it's announced after this season, she will be transferring from Iowa over to the University of Miami. And look, there's no denying the history of success at Miami. You can go back to Audra Cohen, Laura Valverde, obviously most recently Stella Perez-Somariba. Coach Page Twos has coached up plenty of players with WTA aspirations. She's had so much success throughout her college tennis coaching career. We can get to that component in a second. But I think the first reaction to this news, and it's the reaction you and I both shared in our texts immediately following this news being announced, is just heartbreak for the Iowa program. Obviously, what Alexa was able to do this fall so so impressive. And for Iowa, who has just lost their men's tennis program, something to rejuvenate the program around, the sort of success you build moving forward into a season. And they talked, you know, coach uh, their coaches on the Cracked Interviews podcast about the motivation they had coming out of last season, being left out of the NCAA tournament, how the fall helps them build here towards 2022. This is a dagger into that balloon. There is no denying that, Jay. And I'm just curious your response to this news. Yeah, I mean, that was my immediate response um, was d- disappointment and sadness for the Iowa program. I think uh, it's been so cool to see kind of all of the firsts, right? I mean, you look at women's tennis in particular, it's just been so dominated by Stanford, Florida, Miami, you know, these teams that that we talk about all the time. And so to have someone of the caliber of Alexa Noel go to Iowa, go to the Big Ten, uh, have so much success, seeing a finalist at All-Americans from Iowa, right? Like, that's cool, right? That's the sort of stuff you want to see. You want to start to see other programs have success. Uh, so, you know, disappointing there for sure. Um, and the second feeling is probably awkwardness. Um, it feels really awkward, right, to make this big announcement uh, with the whole spring season to be played, uh, both for Iowa and I'm sure a little bit for Miami. Um, so that's where we get into this world now, the transfer portal, uh, where everyone knows who's looking to transfer. And then once someone announces, they might still have a, a full spring season to play. 
Um, so that was the second feeling after I was uh, got over the the disappointment and just the blow to the Big Ten and Iowa in particular. And it was an open secret, and podcast listeners may get mad that we don't talk about the players on the transfer portal more than we do here on this show. That's because, A, they deserve a degree of privacy. Just because you're on the portal doesn't necessarily mean you are transferring. But, you know, again, B, we're playing a game of speculation at that point, and I don't think as fun as that may be, that's uh, not fun to the athletes who we want to respect, who we're so grateful for tolerating our nonsense all year long. That said, now that this news has been announced, it was an open secret that Alexa Noel was sitting on the transfer portal. And you can only imagine the pitches she heard because a player of her quality will be reached out to. There's no denying that. And it does suck because we talked to Daniel, we talked to Sasha, and, you know, having them on the podcast, I'm believers in what they're building. And you could tell how much, again, that success that Alexa has had here over her first season and a half is a direct uh, direct result of the work they are both willing to put in. And to them, they view it as a testament to, okay, see, our message is working. Look at the success we can have here at this program. And again, it's just, it's heartbreaking, especially it feels a little CMRE, right? When it was announced early last season, he and McCormick were going to Texas and Georgia respectfully. And it just felt like, again, Notre Dame finished the season pretty strong. But it was just an icky feeling for us, certainly on the pod, talking about that team because it's just weird when that news comes out before the season is over. That said, there's a reason I'm sure Alexa Noel's phone was blowing up because she is a player of the quality that the moment you get her to the team, you jump up a level in terms of your expectations. And Miami has been on the fringes of the ACC contendership these past couple of seasons. And that's a testament to the powerhouses that are North Carolina, that are Duke, that are always going to be at the top of that conference. But last year, Florida State separated themselves. Georgia Tech separated themselves. Duke separated themselves. You know, it did feel like Miami was a little NC State. How could I forget? Sorry, Simon. Um, But, you know, Miami was not quite on that caliber last year. They've brought in some players now this season. And with Alexa on uh, coming in next year as well, we can talk about that piece now. That team is ready to compete. You bring in an Alexa Noel, that team takes a jump up from, yeah, they're still in top 16 competition. You know, being seated at NCAA is no doubt. Now they can be top 10 as soon as 2023. Yeah, and, and they won't let you forget it. Um, <laughs> they've been very active on social media promoting Alexa Noel's arrival, so much so that I was confused for a little bit. Like, wait, is she playing through the spring? Is she coming in January? It, it was pretty confusing. And it, I was two minds because uh, they had some graphics there. Uh, the hashtag or the kind of quote was uh, Noel's got next. And right. And then it was this list of like, Audrey Cohen, who you mentioned, Estelle Perez, Somariba, uh, NCAA champions, and I don't, I don't know who that necessarily serves. Um, it probably doesn't make Iowa feel good. Probably doesn't make the players on the Miami team feel good. Um, I, I thought that was a little aggressive. Um, but on the other side, I saw the Miami Athletics like account tweeting it. And I'm like, love seeing tennis get this sort of promotion, and um, love that energy in general. Now, again. Timing is one aspect, but credit to the Miami women's program. This is exciting news. If this was a football transfer, you would hype it the way it's being. So I think I, it's you're right to tennis. It's a bit foreign, but I do think it does deserve that excitement. It totally does. And that's yeah. where I'm like, this is exciting. Although I'm not like, 
let's maybe wait. Like the timing is the other thing. And I also don't know if I would make the comparison to Estelle Press, Summerim, and Audrey Cohen. Like they're NCAA champions. Everything Alexa has accomplished, like hasn't by been in the Miami Jersey. Like that did feel a little extreme to me. Um, but then timing is everything, right? Like in May after Alexa maybe has a great run in NCAAs, exciting news. Like let's hype this up. Um, so that part felt just kind of continued the awkwardness a little bit. Um, well, it was surprising the- just to add to that because I, you're right. A hundred percent. I would echo your sentiment. The timing does not feel kosher. And yeah. there's something to being exciting about adding that player. Again, the second the season was over for Iowa and for Alexa, you would have loved to see this response even more. So it was weird that it wasn't Parsa or it wasn't, you know, something like that breaking the news that it was the Miami social account breaking the news. I did not expect that. <sighs> That's a great point. Um, I'm happy it wasn't Parsa. And that is like, that is nothing about Parsa. Um, but it's nice to feel like it's up leveled a little bit and that like the communication is coming from uh, uh, official channels sure. rather than the official channels being two to three days behind Parsa. It does feel like it should, that should be an Instagram post from Alexa Noel or, or nothing. Right. And so I don't know what the, the handshake agreement was between the two programs that does feel like something that, you know, if I was an Iowa fan and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an Iowa fan adjacent here, uh, supporter of the pod, supporter of them, but um, that would rub me the wrong way. Oh, I would be irate. Totally yeah. agree with you there. That said, and again, you've made the case perfectly. I'm going to just, I suppose, give some credence to the other side of the argument it's exciting times right now for Miami Athletics. You just hire Mario Cristobal from Oregon, brand new coach, trying to ge- generate this excitement about the athletic program. We also just brought in this superstar tennis player from University of Miami. I think that's what this is about as well. Now, again, I agree with you. I don't think it's the strongest argument, and I do think timing is one aspect of everything. That said, I'm super excited that the Miami Athletic Department and people within the Miami Athletic Department are excited about what's happening yes. with the women tennis program, as you mentioned. It's devastating for the Hawkeyes. It sucks for Big Ten tennis as well, which is just better when you have a player like Alexa Noel there. That said, don't sleep on Sasha. Don't sleep on Daniel. Don't sleep on the Iowa program because I do think they've still got more in the tank. Trust them. That said, that's piece number one, and certainly that news broke when I was on the podcast with Wisconsin women's coach Kelsey McKenna, which, again, unexpected development, certainly. What was that, a Thursday or Friday, whatever it may be? Uh, I do want to ask you, because you listen to more than anyone else, what do you think of the new questions? Oh, I was going to say, for those that haven't listened to Kelsey McKenna of Wisconsin, you can hear the moment that she references the news and you can hear Gruskin not picking it up, <laughs> yeah. not quite aware of what she's talking about there. Um, so that was funny. Um, well, that's because I try not to look at my phone during podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, I, I mean, I, was she looking false, at her phone? Well, I think that's how she got the news was someone had texted her. I am sure. I don't want it. This is not reporting. But you can imagine someone said Noel to Miami, exclamation point, exclamation point, maybe an expletive. Like, I would imagine that's the text that was received. Got it. Uh, mine was much more tame to you. 
um, she might have gotten different texts. Um, what was the question? How do I feel about the new questions? Yeah. Did I manage to work in some new material? You have incorporated new material. Um, I'm biased. Um, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the the marketing questions um, and kind of more of that angle. Um, so that's been great. Um, is there a new question or two that you're excited about incorporating? I like the individuals versus team practices. I like hearing that discussion, how every team balances. Listening to Andreas Pedroso talk about how they stress yep. the individual development is – and I think there are other coaches you will hear from who say that throughout the series. And it's interesting to see which programs do that and the success they have when doing that and why that might be more beneficial in tennis. That said, I think the teams who stress team practice, you see that element to them. And so it's just nice to see behind that window. I like the marketing question as well. I appreciate coaches' candidness in answering that question. And yeah, I got to work in some new jokes. There are some things I know I'm going to say as I say them, and I'm like, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Uh, You're doing it again, aren't you? Um, But, you know, so often you got to play the hits. Yeah. One thing I would challenge you to do more of on the, like, is this a marketing or a product problem? Like, let's take that one step further. Like what can we be doing to increase the marketing, right? Like let's talk tactics. One of the things I thought was really great was Matt Roberts for Mississippi state. Um, you know, shout out to them. You know, if you go to the, my blog, no ad, no problem. Topblogspot.com <laughs> or just J tweets tennis. Um, I kind of talk about the most followed Twitter accounts, right? Mississippi state is somewhat surprisingly right up there at the top. Um, and I think I thought Matt Roberts did an excellent job of walking through all of the tactics from getting budget for a director of ops all the way down to securing email lists, right? Like for me, that stuff is really interesting. I think it gets to the heart of the 20% is X's nose and this 80% is business and marketing. And it'd be very interesting to explore like what are those tactics that coaches are employing. And then also when we talk about the tie-in to professional tennis, Everyone is like, yeah, wild cards would be great. All right. Who's on the hook How for we getting get those? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, and you look at um, Universal Tennis, they're doing a really good job of adding carrots to their to their tournaments with uh, wild cards to uh, ITF events. Can the ITA not get that? Right. So, like, what's next for getting that? Th- those contracts that you mentioned for World Team Tennis, right? Like, who, there are a lot of entities in tennis, a lot of entities in college tennis. Right. Like who's on the hook for making those calls, selling college tennis as a product to some of these entities. That's stuff that I would find very interesting. I knew you were going to say that. And to that, I say, listen, well, not to get defensive here, because I agree with you fully. And I noticed myself not doing that. And it frustrated me. So I'm glad to hear you echo that sentiment. That is something I've been trying to do down the home stretch. And I feel I would like to publicly apologize to Texas Tech men's tennis head coach Danny Whitehead, who was the very first interview in this series and just did not get the performance he deserved. So if he wants to come back and enter the new set of questions, Danny, you know where to find me. Um, Because, again, and I feel bad for this next set of coaches because now we're primed. We're 60 plus in. (laughs) Um, It's like I'm getting to the hows now and the whys because I've heard these surface answers and I agree with you not to be rude to any of the coaches, but it's time to get into the hows and whys. So I feel bad for those down the home stretch. That said, we've got some really fun ones down the home stretch. And so I'm excited to ask them the hows and whys. It may be a little aggressive to like the Utah program who's going to be like, what? 
what? Like, who are you? Um, but, you know, oh, not to be rude to the Utah program. They were just a name, okay? Look, I haven't called out the person who I believe has publicly declined coming out on the show yet. I really want to get every coach so that that coach is the only one who didn't come on. And then I can publicly say, see, it's just this coach. Um, we haven't gotten there yet. Anyways, all that is to say, Jay, thank you for listening. All of you listeners who are looking for the new episodes, you can find them all, Cracked Interviews Podcast, or on the website, CrackedRackets.com. Last one for you. Recorded a very fun, impromptu podcast with Chris Hallioris after Sequoia canceled for the first time in his life. And rest assured, listeners, nothing emergency. Um, I'm not going to get into what it was because he wouldn't like that. He would never listen to this, but he wouldn't want me to get into it because he wouldn't like that. Chris and I did a really fun exercise. And, you know, part one of that was explaining that right now on tour in the ATP singles rankings, just singles, not doubles, not WTA, just ATP singles. There are 17 players who former collegians who are either currently or have been in their career top 100 players. Do you want to try and guess the 17? I think you can do it. I don't want this to take too long. I'll help you along, but I think you can get all 17. Uh, I'm just trying to think about how to like, like when you say the, like if someone asks you to name the United States, like you go and I, at least for me, yeah. I go in like East to West or West to East. I'm like, how do I, I was going to have to rat- rattle them off. So 17 have hit the top hundred at some point in their careers or are currently in it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Isner, yes. Johnson, yes. Anderson, yep. Nori, yep. Giron, yep. McDonald, yep. Hanfman, Yep. Um, Brooksby counts, by the way. I, I You would oh, have gotten there, but we are okay. counting Jensen. We're counting Brooksby, um, Nakashima. I knew you were going to go there after him. That was a little mind game. You passed the test. <laughs> um, all right. Now, okay. Uh, now top 100. Fox. Yeah. Um, right, where do we go next? Um, Tell me when you want hints. All of these guys 100. were pretty good in college. There's well, that right. Um, yeah, one of them was number one in uh, the country, but not okay, for a so, school you'd expect. Um. All right. Well, I'm going to go JJ Wolf. Okay. Um, Has not been top 100 yet. Not so, top 100. Okay. But remember that. Uh, we'll get there. For the not school, well, the one who comes to mind is Fan um, Sebastian Fanislaw from Pepperdine, but I don't think he's been top. That's because I always name drop him. I I was <laughs> fascinated by Fanislaw. All right, you want some yeah. uh, some other ones that are just? Uh, we'll get back to the tricky ones. Kopfer, that was Tulane. Um, oh, yeah. Arthur Rindernash, Texas A and M. Just hit it. Yeah. Max Cressy just hit it for the first time. Yeah. What a st- I would love to hear your take there. I mean, I have a. Oh, I'll get there in a second. Sandgren is another one. Here are the th- uh, the four that I think are a little trickier. Bradley Klon is still in the singles yeah. rankings. He was top 100. Good for him, yeah. Blaz Rola, former NCAA champion, mm, number 78, yeah. when he was right fresh out of college. Some remember the Murray yep. Wimbledon match. I am one of them. Braden Schnur, after he won the New York ATP title, he was Interesting. top 100. Interesting. I didn't think he would hit top 100. Yeah, currently 237. And then the last one, which was going to be the serious trivia one, Yannick Maiden. I wanted to see if you'd guess it. Oh, from Clemson. From Clemson. Reach number 96, currently number 309. Chris and I played a game of who the next collegiate, former collegiate player, it could be a current collegiate or former guy, would be to crack the top 100. 
There's a pretty clear top two. JJ was number one on both of our lists. Francisco Sarundolo, who did go to South Carolina for a hot sec. He played more matches than Brooksby. Exactly. He was number two. We had a pretty clear cut three and four. We agreed on them. I want to hear who yours would be. Some options of guys who haven't done it, by the way, who are on tour right now. Vukic, Gomez, Eubanks, Nuno, you know, Gojo, Rinky, those sorts. Obviously, recent graduates as well. Yeah. Bergs of the world, current guys. Um, I, Gojo's had a great last few months. Um, he, he I would was not five be su- on Chris's list. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see him have a good 2022. Um, make top 100. And by the way, it's not the, the first ones to do it. It's the ones you're most confident will be it. So, like, Wolf and Serendola are going to be the first two, but they're also yes. the two we're yeah, most yeah. confident in. Right. Yeah, those are fair. Um, when I tell you one of the names, you're going to be like, duh. Who is Chris Halliorst? Who is Core? Well, I thought that was a given, Nuno. Yeah, Nuno was number four, three on his list, four on mine. Okay. The others we agreed on, Ben Shelton, who's in our top four. I just am so certain he's going to be top 100. I can see the next few years from he's gotten better and better. Pro events, junior events, college events. He's just dominating in a way a player who goes yeah. through that progression does. Blumberg was five on my list, and I got mad at Chris. I'm like, you don't remember how excited we were at the 2020 National Indoors, do you? I'm like, if that will exist, he's a top 100 player, and he does exist. And so that said, you want to hear my list of who the next Maxime Cressy could be? <laughs> Okay, who who is the next Maxine Cressy? Kwesi Kenyatta is candidate number one at Illinois. Because talk about a guy with self-belief. Um, it's a little bias. Yeah, great friend. But yes, um, of the show, he's number one. Maybe Keegan Smith. He was a little too good early on, but maybe Keegan. Tim Siebert. Come on. <laughs> Lucas Greif. Like, are we sure Greif's not the next Cressy? Like, maybe if he played, we would know. And then Double H, Herman Hoyerall. Because, like, mm. come on, he fits the profile. Five singles, big hitter. We didn't know okay. much about him. Um, Double anyways, H. Yeah, those are my candidates for the next Cressy. That's what we did an entire show on, and we goofed around. It's exactly what you think it will be now available on the Great Shot podcast feed. All right, with all of that said... Let's get into today's show. Let's talk about number two, Texas. All right, Jay. There's a reason this team is top two, and that's because they are our defending NCAA champions, and they bring back the majority of their core here this season. Of course, you look for the Longhorns. They lost one match last season. It was arguably the best match of the college tennis season. Of course, we had a bunch of 4-3 doozies. Pepperdine UCLA quarterfinals, Pepperdine UNC semifinals, Texas Pepperdine in the finals as well. I'm biased because I was on the call because I was there that Sunday night. It was a 4-3 nightmare of a day. You know, Oklahoma State plays its first match with six players. It goes 4-3. For some reason, Ohio State didn't want to shut the door on Northwestern. So that match goes 4-3. Pepperdine and UCLA, they decided, f*** it. Let's also play a 4-3 match in the semifinals. So that match, that 4-3 national indoor final with uh, North Carolina didn't start until like 8.30, 9 p.m., maybe even later than that. And it looked like... 
Texas was going to run away with it. And, you know, they take the doubles point fairly dominant fashion. They race out to a bunch of leads early in singles. And, you know, it looks like they're going to cruise as, yes, Davitella and Alexa Graham brought their best tennis as they did in every match North Carolina played this season. But, you know, Tarati, quick win over Cam Mora. Kylie Collins, quick win over McKenna Jones. And look, Charlotte Shavatapan was up, I believe, if memory serves me correct, 6-4-4 love on uh, Elizabeth Scotty of North Carolina. And it looked like Texas was about to shock the college tennis world, beat the Tar Heels at the national indoor event, the event that core Jones, Graham, uh, and Davitella had had so much success at. And then magic struck. And college tennis does what college tennis does from time to time and delivers us just an all-time classic. North Carolina able to come back. Scotty able to clinch. After that... Texas didn't lose much. In fact, they didn't lose another dual match the rest of the season. But here is the most impressive stat for Texas when you look at their run to the national championship last season. Following the NCA, uh, the national indoor final, excuse me, the Longhorns dropped, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, eight individual points from the end of the dual, uh, national indoors to the end of the national championship run. Eight individual losses across flights. That's it. I believe they played, I'll get the official numbers, but I think it's 20 matches. They lose eight individual flights over their final 20 matches. Dominant at the NCAA championships. 4-1 over Ohio State. 4-0 over Florida State. 4-0 over NC State. Oh, excuse me. 10 individual points. 4-3 over Pepperdine. I missed uh, two of the points there. Excuse me. Um, But still, that's ridiculous, Jay. That's absolutely ridiculous to lose half a point over the last 20 matches of your season. I mean, it everything broke right for the I can't imagine 2021 going better because I do think that loss in the long term, it helped the Longhorns throughout the course of the year. Yeah, it, it probably did. I mean, uh, when I was writing about the this team, I mean, it, words fail a little bit, right? It, because it's just so unprecedented. Um, you know, you think about this season being the first season post COVID, the first season with these fifth year seniors, this extra year of eligibility, that was the dominant storyline, right? These superpower teams and little did we know Texas had a superpower team. It just happened to be all freshmen essentially, right? To start five freshmen, the majority in your singles lineup throughout the entirety of the season to run the tables like they did. I haven't seen anything like that um, in my kind of uh, college tennis fandom. I mean, certainly you see classes of freshmen. Stanford comes to mind of being pretty dominant. You think about like a Nicole Gibbs and Christian, but it's it's two or three, right? It's never five. Um, So just an incredibly impressive season. And I was un certain how real that run post national indoors was we've talked about the big 12 having a little bit of a down year i kind of expected them to kind of face a a gauntlet at ncaa's and kind of really be tested match in match out for what really would have been the first time since indoors and that and that didn't happen uh until the final yeah And I have the final numbers, 24 matches between the end of the indoors and the end of the NCAA championship. They dropped 10 points in 24 matches 
That's ridiculous. You're right. The word unprecedented gets thrown a lot around a lot. That's 98 Stanford men-esque. Not quite on that tier, but about as close as is humanly possible. And of course, I mean, to your point again, it was the freshman. Stern's at the number one singles position. Fantastic year for her. And, she, you know, there are a lot of matches she didn't even play. She's still 13-4 and four at that spot. Anna Tarandi, the senior on the roster, or, you know, one of the seniors, but, the, you know, senior leading contributor in the singles lineup. Uh, she goes 5-1 and one at that spot, 19-4 and four overall. And, I mean, yeah, the records are stupid. 23-1 and one at 3. 29-1 at 4. 26-3 and three at 6. 19 and 3 at 5. That 18 and 5 at the number one singles position. They won 78% of their number one singles matches. That's their worst flight in the singles lineup. And it has the freshmen, Stern, Sun, Shivatapan, Collins all in there. It's Virginia-esque. And the difference is Virginia didn't get it done in their first year. And you thought they would when they, you know, started to get that momentum, beat Notre Dame, beat Baylor pretty comfortably. And then the older, more experienced U.S. USC team chopped them. And, you know, to your point, I think it helped that this team, after taking that loss to UNC, A, they had that in the back of their minds, is we aren't undefeated. There's still a school out there that is as good as us. And for freshmen, I think that's really helpful to have that motivational piece. And that's the intangible item that you can't quantify with the stat, but I'm sure Coach Joffe will agree on that. You also look at the fact, you know, again, They were on the other side of the draw. Like, it really helped. They didn't have to face UCLA, Pepperdine, or North Carolina until the absolute final. And with all due respect to North Carolina State, who had an unprecedented year, they were not on the tier of particularly North Carolina, Pepperdine, and Texas, who I think we all thought on paper with the results were on that tier above the rest of the field entering the NCAA tournament. Now, NC State was the best of the rest. They were certainly worthy of that semifinal spot. That was probably their season. Uh, ceiling entering the season they hit that I think for this Texas team that was helpful and then it's always worth mentioning I think it was Ashley Leahy had the high volley it was either her or czar in the doubles point to clinch the doubles for Pepperdine they clinched that doubles point they end up winning another match for three and just you know again Oh my God, was freaking Lulu Sun versus uh, Pashkaleva so exceptional to end the college tennis women's season. Just the entire, and it didn't matter that it pushed Baylor and Florida back because the entire Florida fan base had come out for that match. You had every coach there, every player there. That's as exciting as college tennis gets. And obviously for this te- women's Texas program, now they're, they, they've found you know the mountaintop and they get over the hump and they win the national title. But what a special run for this team. And I really appreciate you bringing in that perspective because you're right. It was a historic season with all due respect to some of the Stanford teams. And there were some Florida teams there that were very, very good. And, you know, again, some Georgia teams that missed out as well. This was an all-time sort of team. Like this was a team that was that good. Uh, it definitely was that good. And I think what what adds to this. Um, no, what if Bianca Tarati came back? Right. She could have. Right. Yeah, exactly. uh, now, if she comes back, what freshmen don't they get? And, you know, all sorts of what ifs. But I mean, it, that could have been a possibility. I, I just think like coming off of COVID, coming off of this unknown, uh, you talk about Stanford teams, you talk about Florida teams, you know, those teams coming into the season are going to be good. Did anyone did anyone expect Texas to be this good? No, right. We see freshman classes who are like really strong come in every year. I, I had no idea that they would be this 
good and this dominant and like rival a North Carolina team that had three returning fifth years who had all been at the top of the singles rankings, right? Like everything went so well. Those, that class of freshmen, definitely a, a historic class. You might think that they start winning these titles their junior or senior year, right? Not out of the gates, um, against competition that is four or five years their senior. Um, and just to just to double down on the Pachkaleva Lulu Sun finale, uh, I was looking at this, and in the past 11 years that I've been attending the NCAAs, seven of those 11 years, the women's final has come down to a 4-3 match. This is far and away the highest quality final that I've ever seen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They were both playing well. There were swings in momentum, no doubt about that. But it's not as though it was Moonball Alley. It's not as though one player was, you know, folding down the stretch. You're so correct. And, you know, again, it is worth mentioning. And I know I've said this on other pods. I literally said this last week when we talked about North Carolina. I think North Carolina was the team best suited to beat uh, this Texas squad. Because I know Fela beat Tarati in the final but I don't think Davatilla or Graham were losing at the top two. And Peyton Stern's ability to come back from dropping that 6-2 set to take 6-love, six 6-2 six over Ashley Leahy in the final and the Texas men getting under Leahy's skin on the sideline the way that they did. And there is no doubt they did on the sideline. They did a tremendous job cheering on their team. I don't think that happens to Davatella. I don't think that happens to Graham. And I just think, again— North Carolina had seen Texas before. They were ready for that challenge. I don't think they were ready for the Pepperdine challenge the way they would have been. That's the only what if I have. The other thing I would like to clear up for my mistake, I didn't mention Malika Rapalu, who was so good last season. And again, I just want to go over these freshman records because they're hilarious. You know, we'll start with the worst of the group. Worst of the group. I have quotation marks as I say it. Peyton Stearns, 13-4. and at the number one singles position. Again, that's the worst of the group. You keep going. Oh, no. And she had a concussion midseason. Exactly. You keep going. Kylie Collins, 17-3. and three, 85% win percentage. 17-3. and three, Second worst of the group of five. Why is that? Because who's 19-2? and two? Uh, Rapalu, 19-2 yeah. overall. 15-2 and two at the sixth singles position. Just ridiculous. Oh, no. It keeps getting better. Lulu Sun. 21 and 2 at the number, you know, 2 and 3 singles position, 15 and 1 at 3, wins the clinching match. But then, of course, Charlotte Shabatapan, 25 and 1, 21 and 1 at the four singles position. The only loss coming to Elizabeth Scotty in that national yep. indoor final. But, of course, you look at the NCAA championship, she knocks out Shiori Fukuda, 3 and 2. And again, it was the freshman. Sons and Son and Collins at one double, Stearns and Shavatapan at three doubles, then Stearns, Son, Shavatapan earning wins in that national championship. No disrespect to Anna Tarati, no disrespect to Fernanda Lebrana either. But wh- I, you're right, you just don't see freshmen doing this, and especially in year number one, especially with the fall that everyone had. What a year. 
Yeah. I mean, the only thing I, I want to add about that final or that, that run really is, is Peyton Stearns, right? I mean, I watched that round of 16 match against Ohio state and that was the worst tennis I saw all tournament from Peyton Stearns. At two and zero, zero and two, yeah. it was it was really ugly. And she turns around against that Florida State match and looks like a complete world beater. And she stays like that for her next few matches. She uh, she drops it in the first set to Leahy and comes around. I mean, that was kind of what I was expecting a little bit from these freshmen when they got to the final site, right? I was expecting a little bit of a drop. Um, you saw it from Peyton Stearns in her first match. The other freshmen continue to play lights out. So, I mean, credit to, to Stearns for turning around, right? She won NCAA most outstanding player, uh, deserved given, given her final three matches. Um, just a, just an incredible run. I also give credit to, I mean, Kylie Collins was not supposed to be in this class, right? She comes early to Texas in January, the double success that she was able to have with Lulu Sun. That's even more impressive to me than the singles. We've always talked about how difficult it is to learn the double system, fit in for her and Lulu Sun to never have played together. Kylie Collins to come in in January and have that level of success at number one doubles that affords them Peyton Stearns at three, Charlotte Shavathapun at three doubles. I mean, that's what won them. That's what won them the match, right? They won that doubles point. I think Lulu Sun should have been the MVP. I know she was only two and zero in singles, but four and zero at the one double spot. And again, them winning one doubles is what won them that match. And they probably yep. shouldn't have won that doubles point. In Leahy and Czar, after they escaped against Forbes and Hart the day before, you just thought for or two days before, you just thought for sure they're going to find yep. a way out of that tiebreaker again, and that they didn't. That's and that Collins and Son. Then, you know, rally off of that, make the NCAA doubles final. Another element of this we didn't discuss. Um, it was just a year of first for this Texas team. And, you know, with that said, we can put a bow on 2021, as I'm sure Coach Joffe, Coach Fogelman have tried to done as well. And look at the returning roster and look at this team entering 2022. And why are they number two in our preseason rankings? Because the core is back. Yes, you lose Anna Tarati, who, you know, again, it's hilarious when you look at the stats from last year that you look at Tarati's numbers and like that her going, you know, 19 and four overall. They were probably like, huh, you lost four times. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they were doing to the senior leader. By the way, it's worth mentioning Anna Tarati's heart and soul of that Texas program had been, you know, her and her sister, the fire she plays with the passion, the creativity as well. It's really fun watching Tarati play and get under opponent's skin because it's not the biggest weapons, but she always tracks down that extra ball. You know, I want to make that point clear. I I was making a joke. I'm a huge fan of what Anna Tarati brought to the table. You lose that, and that's a major contr- you know, that's a major contributor. You lose Lulu Sun, who was half of the NCAA doubles finalist team and was again a laughable twenty-one and two in singles dual matches last season. Those are significant losses. But Stearns is back. Collins is back and looks improved. And Charlotte Chavatapan back continues to improve this summer. Rapalu back as well. Is there any reason to think she won't continue to have success at the four, five, or six position? And then, of course, you look at just the freshmen they brought in via tennis recruiting, two blue chip recruits, uh, another five-star recruit as well. They bring in a couple of other freshmen uh, from abroad to round out the lineup. I mean, Jay, 
This team's got all the talent in the world back on their roster. They've added new talent to the roster as well. Now, what's crazy is how young this team is. And you do wonder <laughs> if losing out on Tarati, if that team will feel it. But then it's like, wait, the freshman just went through a national championship run. Like, this team is rocked and, and loaded. And again, it's on paper and CAA-wise with North Carolina graduating. Yeah, Pepperdine's really good, but it's a new cast of characters this is your most experienced top 10 team in the country in terms of NCAA experience. Yeah, and because they, they return that core, right? But it's essentially a roster of all sophomores and freshmen, yeah. uh, which is wild. Um, I mean, they don't have they won't they will not have any senior contributors on this on this team. Um, I don't think they have I any think, seniors on the roster, period. Yeah, that might be right. The the two yeah. other players might just be a junior and also a sophomore. Um I think one other person who left, which I think is somewhat of a new uh, revelation is Fernando Labrana, sure. uh, who's not taking advantage of the spring season. Um, and, and that, that definitely will hurt as well. Right. I mean, her and Rapalu having that luxury splitting that time at six, you feel really good about both of them at five and six coming into this season. So that was a, a notable departure, but you return those four, uh, four, four freshmen who are now sophomores and, uh, the de facto senior leaders on the team. Uh, and then you bring in another massive class of freshmen. Um, what's really interesting about the makeup of this team is that there are threads of teams of the past. Uh, they have another pair of twins, right? We had the Tarati twins. We now have another pair of twins in the, the Zamaripa sisters from California. You have uh, another player who graduates high school early to join them in January in Vivian Uvrutska, also of uh, California. I mean, you have two other international players, but I was trying to find the parallel. You can read it uh, in the article I read about the the, the third parallel. But right then you bring in um, Sabina Zainalova, who was top 50 ITF junior, uh, and Grace Thomas from Australia. So you bring in five freshmen who will likely contribute in various ways. And you just kind of wonder, right, like, how good will this freshman class be uh, is, is is really the question because you feel really good about all of the four now sophomores that are returning to contribute all across the lineup. I feel like we didn't see much of this team, though, compete in the fall, Jay. Am I crazy? You're not crazy at all. Uh, have you talked to Coach Joffe yet? I have not, and I'm looking forward to that one. He's okay. so funny. I'm a big fan because. Of yeah, so that should be uh, – he was the one that threw me off the scent, by the way, going into Orlando. He was basically like, I'm not sure about this team. I don't know if they can get it done. Um, but you should ask him about that fall because they really did not play many fall tournaments. Um, you know, you look at Collins and Shavathapan, uh, I would say myself and many others probably expected a, a big sophomore jump for them. And it seems like they've done it, but they just haven't been really doing it um, in the collegiate ranks, right? They've been playing ITF uh, tournaments. Kylie Collins played the most collegiate matches. She was nine and three in college this fall. She won two 25K doubles titles. Um, so she's continued to have success. Um, but we saw some injuries, right? So I mentioned Sabina Zanilova, top 50 ITF junior. Uh, she, I believe, hurt a roller ankle or hurt herself at the U S open juniors. So she was out all fall, didn't get to compete. Uh, we also saw injuries to Allura Zamaripa. Uh, so she didn't play singles. Um, so yeah, we did not see much of this team throughout the fall, whether due to injuries or prioritizing pro events. It's fascinating when you look again, because of how young this team is as well, you'd have thought coach Joffe might've been more aggressive and getting especially his younger players out on the college circuit. Now, again, letting Stearns go play pros, Shavatapan go play pros, 
they've earned that right. I don't know how much left they have to prove at, at the college ranks, particularly where they're going to be playing, respectively, in the lineup this season. It was interesting to see Kylie Collins make that choice to play collegiately. I mean, she played some pro events as well, but to play the big college fall events, and she had success, and it was really fun watching her first-round match. She played Selma Ewing, right? First-round ITA yep. fall match, ends up winning that match in three sets, and, you know, again, or losing that match in three sets, excuse me. Yeah, she me. lost. Um, but I thought she looked good. I thought she looked good in doubles as well. It's going to be, again, a lot of lineup questions. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see how this team competes early in the fall. And when you look at the schedule Coach Joffe has put together for his team, you know, they're playing, or they play the Miami Invitational, some hidden duels this weekend. They're going to play, I believe, a doubleheader the Sunday before the kickoff weekend as well. They have a couple of matches scheduled before the National Indoor Championship I'm curious to see, again, as Coach Goffey goes through the year, again, at Stanford, at Cal versus North Carolina State, he still wants to see his team tested. And that makes sense to me because out like the returning four are super strong, but you don't know who five and six are going to be. It's open competition for those bottom two singles spots. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and that stretch that they have, um, I believe it's after the team championship, the, the indoors, uh, which they will definitely be at, right? They have that stretch of North Carolina State, Stanford, Cal, which you just mentioned, and then UCF. Um, so they'll definitely get tested. Uh, they do need to figure out kind of the bottom of the lineup. They also need to figure out doubles, right? Um, you know, you have a lot of, you know, you lose Lulu's son of that son Collins pairing. Um, you lose both, you lose your entire number two doubles uh, in Tarati and Lebrana, and you're bringing in freshmen. So you have to figure that out. Um, they didn't play a lot in the fall, right? So they didn't get to, to test out those doubles pairings. So it will be very fascinating to see who fills in the bottom of the lineup. Um, obviously bringing in Vivian Uvrutsky, uh, is, is a big help for them coming in in January. So she will help uh, and certainly be kind of the, the fifth addition to the returning uh, four sophomores. And then to me, it's really a question of who of the remaining freshmen fills in that last spot. Do you have the UTRs available for me? How's this team stack up? I do. Um, okay. So UTR power six for Texas is 65.44. Uh, and good. I'll, It's good. Uh, and I'll go and, and obviously Peyton Stearns at eleven four seven helps. Um, uh, Shavatapan eleven eleven. Kylie Collins ten point nine seven. Uvrutsky at four ten point nine. Zainalova ten point five six, and then uh, Rapalu at ten four four. So that's their power six. How that compares to some of the other teams in our top ten? Uh, you know, Pepperdine's at a sixty six point oh eight. It's nuts. That's it's, so it's good. In, yeah. Right. So they're about 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6. They're averaging an 11. That's crazy. That's <laughs> ridiculous. But go on. Sorry. Yeah. And then uh, UNC is at a 64.87. Yeah. So it makes sense. And again, the power yep. four for this group is super strong. I agree. I think you play Stearns at the number one position. She was that successful last year. She's been through the rigors. She's ready for that. My question, though, is and you look at her pro results this fall. I think Charlotte Chavatapan has shown she's ready to step up to the number one position as well. I I don't know if Collins is quite there yet from a consistency standpoint, but you know there are going to be matches where Coach Joffe pulls one of those players, one of those top three, and I think that's your pretty definitive top three. Now, again, after that, 
Rapalu's the experienced hand. If you can slide her in at five or six singles, though, again, this season, you feel very good. You can essentially, you feel like she's a lock at whichever of those spots she's at. The question is, again, which of the freshmen fit around those two players? And that's where I would have liked to see more fall repetitions from them, either on the pro circuit or just playing college tennis singles matches. I'm sure health factored into some of that. I'm going to obviously ask Coach Joffe about that when I speak with him I don't know who plays four. I don't know who plays six. I'll tell you what, if one of those freshmen cracks the top three and it's Collins at four or, you know, Shavatpan at four, whatever it may be, I think that's extraordinary for this Texas team because I think that top three is damn good. Yeah. You know, you brought up the theory last week about, you know, allowing Fiona, you know, or about uh, Cam Mora that she's just as likely to win at one as she is to lose at four. Is there a little bit of that to Kylie Collins as well? Like, I I do think there's a streak of that where, again, when she's playing her best front foot tennis, when she's looking to dominate and it finds that mindset, she can hit anyone off the court. But we will also see the errors pile up from time to time. And so I do think that's an interesting wild card. That's why, I don't know, it wouldn't shock. I mean, it would kind of shock me if she falls out of the top three, just given especially how young this team is. She is one of the experienced hands. But it wouldn't shock me if she falls out of the top three. It would surprise me, um, right? I mean, I think she showed last season that, you know, she can be dominant at the, at the lower half of the lineup. She didn't show, while she might show streaky uh, moments in a match, uh, she was able to come through in her matches. Uh, and so I think just given the experience of those of those top three, you keep them there. I do agree with you that if, if they can get any of those in the bottom you know, four. And I think what will happen is Rapalu might end up at five or six. I feel really good about that. Um, you know, I think she probably starts at four. You might slot in Vivian Avrutsky at five. It's going to be a question of if Zanilova is healthy from her injury at US Open or one of the Zamaripa sisters at six. Um, and then you might play around with with that order. Um, but I feel like that top three is is pretty solid. Um, I'm really curious to see Peyton Stearns uh, this spring. I think for her to have the success that she wants to have on the pro tour, she needs to kind of run through the collegiate competition in a way that, you know, she didn't do last season, um, right? She obviously has the tools. She has the athleticism to be dominant, right? You, She's one of those players you watch play. You say, okay, she hits the ball differently than a lot of these other players. Um, but, you know, you want to see her start to win um, really consistently match in, match out, kind of limit those those uh, streaks that we saw at NCAAs. Um, and then I'm excited just to watch Shavatapan and Collins. I think both have huge, you know, continued upside. So I think it, that's a probably the one of the toughest uh, top threes in the country. They're going to be very, very good. And they're experienced. Is this team experienced in your mind? How do you view them? Well, I, I think this is going to be a season. I mean, they're, yes, they're experienced. If you win a national title, you have experience. What I think this team doesn't have is taking more losses, right? And I do think we probably see that this season. I mean, no one has the sort of season that they had, right? So this, you look at this sophomore class, they've lost once. They will lose more than that, I believe, this season. And I think that will be helpful, right? I think it will be helpful to know that they can lose, right? That season was a Cinderella story, and let's appreciate it and let's move on. 
Um, I think you look at the Big 12 as well, right? It's a tougher bit. It's a much tougher Big 12 this year than I believe it was last year. The Oklahoma schools are a lot better. Um, you know, so I think they'll get tested more in the regular season. I don't recall them playing as tough of a non-conference schedule last year. We talked about that four match streak they have this year. Some of those are on the road. So I think that's exciting uh, to see them get tested there as well. So they're experienced. Um, they will get more experienced uh, with a more traditional collegiate season. If college tennis was covered like college football, someone would write the piece of here's why Texas losing at the national indoors could be the best thing to happen for this team to refuel the hunger, to show them they can be beaten. I also think if they win the national indoors, you know, one of those three matches versus North Carolina state who is freaking reloaded. It's just like, you couldn't have told me that in November, Simon, and then we could have put you in the top 10. But like one of North Carolina State at home at Stanford is a fascinating matchup in Palo Alto. At be, Cal, yeah. oh yeah, you're going to report live, let me tell you. <laughs> at Cal as well, like those are fascinating matches. Cal's a really yep. young, talented team, and that match might be better for you. I mean, again, what's so interesting about the scheduling, playing Stanford, playing Cal is as informative as that will be for Texas. That's just as like it could be even more beneficial for those young Stanford and Cal teams to say, okay, here's the standard. That's how good we got to get by yep. May. Meanwhile, if Texas loses one of those matches, it's okay. We got to get back on the horse and train like we were last year and refine that hunger. So I really like the scheduling from Howie. Of course, you look at them for the kickoff weekend, prohibitive favorites, Rice, SMU, yep. Florida Atlantic coming to town. There's a reason for that. I mean, again, you look at the S, uh, the Big 12, it's going to be better this season. Oklahoma's back. Kansas, not that far removed from their 2019 Big 12 title run. I think they're going to be better, at least. Again, all these coaches, the way they've talked, I've been talked into it. Like, I think Kansas is going to be a lot better. I think Baylor's going to be a lot better. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State going to be a lot better. It could be a, pro- a year of program first for Iowa State, TCU, you know, Lee called him. A, he's like, I want people. I think we're a sleeper. I don't want people to know that we're actually much better this year because I want us to sneak up on teams. Coach Petty's built a top 20 powerhouse and, you know, West Virginia's getting everyone's better is the thing. Is Texas as good as last year's team? Is this year's team on paper as good as last year's team? That's my question to you, Jay. My one of my final questions before we get into predictions. Well, I think that's a tough question because it's relative to like the rest of the competition, right? Uh, You know, they had a fifth year and it's Roddy filling in Lulu Sun at at three. Um, No, on paper, I don't think this team is as talented. Um, I think the the replacements for Tarati and Sun are not Tarati and Sun. So, no. I, I would agree with you because you knew what you were getting with Anna Tarati, especially in the top exactly. three of the lineup. It was a known commodity. And like to let superstar freshmen play four, five, and six, that's where you love to have superstar freshmen. Now, Stearns and Sun clicking the way they did, if they can get one freshman to click like either – I mean, honestly, the way Rapalu did as well. If they could get one of their freshmen to replicate Rapalu's season, then this team probably is as good. Yep. But there were more known – commodity known qualities about this team which is crazy to say because there were five freshmen in their starting lineup in singles and there was no fall really for this texas team and yet it just felt like there was more known about them than there is about who are going to be these other two single starters this year 
And again, it's the shakeup in doubles too. New teams once again. And yep. I think Shavatapan and Collins can be a number one doubles team. Absolutely. But what do you do beyond that? Do you mix in the freshmen? Isn't it? We talked about this with other teams, uh, with Makarova and Goldsmith, with Texas uh, A&M. Is it maybe beneficial to break up Collins and Shavatapan at the start of the year? Get up and some repetitions together and comfortable and then maybe make a change later on. The schedule is a bit harder to make those sort of adjustments throughout the year. Like last year, Stern sat out a bunch and, you know, yeah. they were able to sit a bunch of players at different points of the season. They don't quite have that luxury this year, but they're going to need to experiment because there are unknowns. Yeah. No, I think one thing we should talk about on doubles, though, is the Zamaripa sisters have had a ton of double success on the pro circuit. They've actually won four ITF pro titles together. Um, one was the the 80K in Tyler. So you feel pretty good if Collins and Shavatapan stay together, Zamaripa sisters continue to play in doubles, and then you throw Stearns in with anyone at three doubles, um, they're still going to be tough. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's a lot of new pieces. They didn't have a fall to really experiment. We've talked about injuries. Um, we've talked about the, the January edition. Um, so it, it, you know, they'll have to figure it out. And I think that will be good for them. Right. I mean, a lot of these other teams have to figure it out during the season. Um, and, and so, so I think it'll be good. I think they will take some of those lumps on the road, uh, and, and it'll be a good learning experience for this team. They'll definitely be at their best, uh, by May. At Cal and at Stanford's a fascinating weekend. At Oklahoma State, at Oklahoma's a fascinating weekend as well. I also think the West Virginia-Iowa State trip, it's just a lot of traveling. That's not going to, especially late March. Those are interesting. That could be like an interesting, we fall a bit short and we just get, we blink at Iowa State and Iowa State knocks them off. Like, you know, again, it's going to be interesting. I, I think Texas, yeah. so again, when we get to predictions, I still think Texas wins the Big 12. Let me be clear about that. I still think they're a cut above everyone else. But, I mean, national indoors, nationally, it's interesting when you look at this team. Certainly, I mean, again, I'll just open the floor to you. No, I'm, I'm trying to swerve here. Maybe I've got a national championship take coming. Uh, but give me a take on this Texas team. How do you think they how they do this year? So, you know, I do think they'll lose a Big 12 match for the first time since 2017. Um, that's my prediction. Um, I think it could be Oklahoma first time since 2003 would, they would beat Texas. Um, but I think they win the big 12 tournament. Um, I, I think they do have the, the, the talent to do that. Uh, they're not my pick for indoors, right? I, I pick UNC to win indoors, um, for an, <laughs> a six year, hmm. um, which is pretty crazy. Um, uh, you know, I, I have this team making the NCAA final. I think they come one match short of where they reached last year. Uh, but anything less than, you know, a, a semifinal, I, that top three is so strong. Um, you know, they don't, they know, only know how to win, right? They haven't learned, they don't know how to lose. So uh, I think this is a team that we'll be seeing deep in May for sure. They're winning the conference title, regular season and tournament. They're getting to the NTA semifinals. I feel that good about their four returning. And again, they've got blue chip options, five-star options. They only need one of the freshmen to click. And then again, you feel like they their pathway to four points. I, I don't think they have the depth of last year's team, which is crazy to no. say. Yeah. No, they, but, they don't. Yeah. And they're younger, which is, again, crazy to say this team is younger than last year's team. But I honestly feel better about Tarati at two last year than I do about Shavat, well, maybe not Shavatapan, but Collins filling in at two. Like, again, I knew what Tarati was. Right. 
I said Stanford makes the final. And I think it's because Texas is going to beat them in the regular season. Stanford's going to get them in the NCAA semifinal. So that's where I have this Texas team going. Actually, ooh. I mean, it's either them or Pepperdine as national champs, Alex. You only got two teams left on the list unless you want to take NC State. Um, <laughs> man, this is tough. I'll, I, I, I'm a believer in Pear. I'm a believer in Howard, too, and you mentioned it. You know what? Semifinals. Stick with the take. They're going to make the NCAA semifinals. Absolutely, this team can win the championship, but I'm going to have them losing yep. in the semifinals. I think we're going to get four three matches, men's and women's side, down the home stretch of the tournament. It's going to be so fun to watch that competition. And again, one of those freshmen clicked for Texas. They're in the hunt. For, they're Even without it, they're in the hunt for the national championship. They absolutely can repeat this year. Very few teams. Yes, Stanford spoiled us by doing it, but very few teams. You think about the Florida mid two thousand ten team, or you know two thousand ten ish teams. Stanford. I mean, that's really the teams who repeat. It's really hard to freaking do in college tennis. So it's going to be tough sledding for Texas. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Stanford repeated in twenty nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's no. I'm saying other than Stanford, right? They've done it all the time, but they're the sure, exception, right. not the rule. Yeah, no. And and look, that's going to be a big storyline this year, right? Like last year, Texas was the one hunting and now they're going to be the hunted, uh, right? You talk about, we've talked about that, that, um, that format swing that they have with out of conference schedule, like they are going to get 110% from each and every one of those teams who want to knock off the defending national champions it was a little different last year, um, right? People didn't know what this Texas team was. So it's, it's a different vibe. It's much different to have the target on your back. Um, and so we'll see how this team steps into that role. Uh, it, it'll be really fascinating to see. Ultimately, I do think that, that the experience they had last year helps carry them through. Um, and so I have them in the finals. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch this team play. Again, number two in our preseason rankings, defending champions, the Texas Longhorns. With that said, your number two team, Jay, I imagine it's Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Give me, give me why you <laughs> have the, them there. So um, you can read about this on my blog because I just published my preseason predictions. I wanted to go on the record for uh, for all of these so that I could either quote tweet myself in May <laughs> or hide those tweets. But um, uh, I actually have my preseason prediction is Tennessee wins the title. Uh, but I do have them at number two. Uh, you just can't knock off Florida. I mean, they're just that top three is ridiculous. Uh, the depth is insane. Uh, but looking at Tennessee, I like their match calculus a lot. They're always a strong doubles team. They will continue to be this year. I feel really good about the Tennessee team at number two against a lot of these teams. Obviously, Walton can compete at one. I like him at two. When you look at them versus a Baylor, we talked about this last week, right? Tennessee just has more known quantities. Um, you have a Bicknell, you have a HUD, you have Prada, that three, four, five, that's, those are known quantities. They've had success in college. Uh, and I think Mitsui is super talented. So wherever he plays, I think he's going to be a threat. He'll also be a threat in doubles. So ultimately, I think this Tennessee team, number two, feels like a solid pick. Um, and I think they're going to be super hungry. It's it's a fair take. That's why they're our number two team as well. And it's just like the options, four, five, six, whether it's HUD, whether it's Prada, whether it's Walton or Monday or, again, they just – Walner and, you know, again, Harper and some of the freshmen. Yeah, this team's got options and they've got depth yeah. and they've got strength at the top. 
You don't love them at number one singles, but you still don't doubt Walton can beat anyone. Monday can beat anyone. And you imagine those are your top two. And then again, like you can make a case Prada should play six or Prada should play five to start the year. And HUD should be the three. And, you know, Mitsui with his talent, I think he ends up in the top four by the time the season's done. I mean, we talk about this all with Matt and Chris. They're really good this year. And the thing that they share that no other team has, this group's beaten Florida. They have no fear of the Gators. They say, what do you, we just did this in the SEC championship. And I think that yeah. quality matters because spoiler alert, you guys can see the math. If Baylor's three and Tennessee's two, who's number one. Um, but yeah, I, and I North like Carolina. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think that sort of thing matters. And so again, okay. I agree with you at number two, but that said final thoughts go to you. Anything to plug. Uh, I mentioned the preseason predictions. Uh, so that was um, that was something that I was excited to just put on the record. Um, that's the main thing. You can always find me at jtweetstennis. Love a DM. Love a good at. Yeah, I that's love it. it. Well, with that said, again, a shout out to you, Jay, for your continued contributions to this show, for all the work you're doing. Again, writing more about all of these teams on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, again, if you've missed any of our countdown here of our preseason top 10, you can catch up on it all on the website. We are reaching the final stage of this College Contender Series, our number one preseason teams. Of course, you can hear from a lot of these top 10 coaches and from the majority of the Power 5 coaches now on our Cracked interview podcast feed again we'll have shows previewing the kickoff weekend we'll have shows for you all year long as we try to provide the coverage we know college tennis deserves throughout this 2022 season with all that said you miss any of the content catch up on it all on the website crackrackets.com like rate subscribe review to this show the mini break podcast cracked interviews podcast and our youtube channel if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at al gruskin you want to message jay directly he's at Jay tweets tennis a shout out as always to our super producer Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job he does day in day out with all of that said for my fantastic co-host John Parsons our super producers Fliegner and Westoff our friends at Tennis Point and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin Jay what do we tell the people hey great shot and we will see you all on our final show of the series bye everyone Thank you.